Bible reading comes from Luke 2, 4-12. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Thanks, Riley. We're familiar with that story, aren't we? By now, I've heard that story a number of times over the years, can lose some of its impact, can lose some of its reality. We're so used to it, we've excused the racket of animals that must have been taking place, or the itchy hay. Does anyone like rolling around in hay? Only when you're a kid, and only up to the point you realise how itchy it is. What about the stench of manure? Mm, we don't talk that much about that on Christmas Day in church, do we? It's, that's not what Christmas is about. What about the crying newborn baby? Jesus was not quiet, guaranteed. He made an impact with his life. Why wouldn't he start at day zero? And the fact that they now had a newborn baby, that is just a confronting, terrifying thing. They weren't married, which back then in their culture was entirely unacceptable. It was an absolute no-go. So at some point, they had to return home to the place where they were disgraced from. But something far grander was taking place. In fact, something more terrifying was actually taking place. You see, from the day of Jesus' arrival, he was being prepared for the day of his departure. To understand what's actually going on on Christmas Day, we have to understand the Jewish sacrificial system, which nobody ever came to church on Christmas morning to go, can you please do a lecture on the Jewish sacrificial system, please? That would make my day. So I'm going to cover it in 90 seconds. And does someone want to time me? Serious, someone time me, okay? Here we go. 90 seconds or less the entire Jewish sacrificial system. Oh, what am I doing? Okay, on your marks. I'm not even going to speak fast. Go. God is a holy God. And everything and everyone who isn't God isn't holy. Only God can make us holy. And to be holy means you're acceptable to God. Now, inside every human heart is a pull toward God to be accepted by God. That's why you're here this morning. But our sin, which makes us not holy, means we can't be accepted by God because God is holy. So humanity has a problem. 
It's not acceptable to God. So to solve the problem, they were given a sacrificial system to use, where through the ritual of blood spilling, they put their sin on a perfect animal who is then offered to God, is slaughtered on an altar in a temple as a sacrifice. And as this sacrifice takes place, the sin is transferred from the human realm into the divine realm. And that sacrifice, and the sacrificer, the person doing the sacrificing, is free of their sin. Therefore, they are acceptable to God, but it wears off and they need a booster. We're all familiar with boosters, right? They need a booster. And so the pattern repeats for thousands and thousands of years. This is how the Jewish sacrificial system worked. Stop. How'd I go? All right. That's the pressure off. Let's have some fun. Let's talk about this perfect animal. This perfect animal. If you were to ask my daughter what the perfect animal must have been in the stable, she would say a little piglet. She got to cuddle this little piglet the other day. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen, other than my kids when they were born. It was pretty cute, right? This this little piglet. The problem is pork in the Middle East, not too much of a hit. It's not real popular in the Middle East. And so their perfect animal was a sheep. A sheep's an interesting choice for a perfect animal. Yeah, sacrificial lamb, folks, just before you get too attached, before you get too attached. See, lambs, they're easily led. They're very available on the hills. They were easy to breed and they were simple to look after. In fact, a prized sheep, a top shelf piece of lamb, and we're having lamb for barbecue lunch today, looking forward to it. This is a bit of a a warm up. They, they were born to be the perfect sacrifice. They were supposed to be good enough so that they were acceptable to a holy God. It would have been born safely in a stable, the Passover lamb. It would have been fed out of a manger. It would have nestled in the hay. The shepherds would have come to inspect it and make sure that this lamb was good enough. They likely would have bestowed sheep gifts on it to give it the best chance in life. Could this be the perfect lamb that they needed, that they were waiting for? And if upon first inspection of this lamb, there were no blemishes or defects or deformities, there would be great celebration. Because this lamb would be the sacrifice that saves them all. When a healthy lamb was born, it was good news for the family. It was not so good news for the sheep. Not good news for the sheep. From the day of the sheep's arrival, they were being prepared for the day of their departure. Now, providing I haven't put you to sleep already with all this talk of sacrificial systems, you may have seen the overtones of the Christmas story as we've talked about sheep and the sacrificial system. John the Baptist, who was the the first person in Scripture to kind of lay eyes on the adult Jesus. And and he he sees Jesus, and in John 1.29, he declares, he says, there is the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. That guy over there, that Jesus. You see, from the day of Jesus' arrival, he was being prepared for the day of his departure. 
When Jesus was born, heaven would have exploded in exuberant jubilation. The ultimate sacrifice has finally been given to the world to secure people's acceptance to God forever. It was incredible. There was so much excitement that overflowed from heaven that the angels rushed to the earth to announce what had happened so that nobody missed it. The heaven summons royalty from across the desert to follow a star to meet this baby. Shepherds were so enthralled by heaven's contagious display of ecstasy, they rushed to the place where this incredible sacrifice had entered the world. Because this baby, Jesus, it meant the end of their sacrificial system. It wasn't needed anymore. Jesus became the way everyone in the world could find themselves acceptable to God. And so it all hinges on what we do with Jesus. The family, you see, took the lamb when it had been born and, and, and grown and was nice and healthy. They took the lamb to the temple. They gave it to the priests. The priests offered it as a sacrifice. And then they took the forgiveness that was given by God and they gave it back to the family. And they said, would you like this? And the family said, huh, everything in the, every fiber of our being wants that. And they embraced the forgiveness that they now had from God because of this sacrificial system. Jesus is the sacrifice for us. That he went to the cross. It doesn't stop on Christmas morning. It stops on Easter when it launches into another chapter. Jesus is the sacrifice for us. So our lives hinge on what we do when Jesus says, here is God's forgiveness. What do we do with that? In 1987, an Oscar-winning Danish film called Babette's Feast was made. Has anyone watched Babette's Feast? Uh, you will this afternoon or tomorrow after this little story. Whew. It's based on a, on a story written in 1958. It's set in a small village on the remote western coast of Jutland in the 19th century Denmark. And Babette Hassant knocks on the door of a small church where two sisters are pastoring the church because their father, the founding pastor, has passed away. She's a refugee. Babette is a refugee from Paris and is carrying with her a letter of commendation from a man by the name of Achille Papin. And, and Papin was um, a, a dignitary, but he was also a previous romantic interest of one of the sisters. So he's known to them. So Babette's in need and sends a letter. You'll find safe refuge there. Unable to pay her lodging, Babette volunteers to cook. She says, I'm okay in the kitchen. So they give her a trial, and she takes these very stable, bland foods and makes them into an incredible feast. She's won their hearts, and so she stays. They give her lodging. For 14 years, this goes on. For 14 years, she stays with them. She serves the two sisters with her only memory of France being a lottery ticket that a friend renews for her once a year for the French lottery. One day she checks the lottery numbers and discovers she's won. She has won 10,000 francs, which was a fortune in that day and age. With her win, she decides to prepare the most delicious traditional French meal 
for the um, anniversary of the church. So the congregation are invited and dignitaries are invited and Babette goes to work uh, preparing this meal. She knows that Akil Pepin will be there, uh, the previous uh, romantic interest of one of the sisters and her, her benefactor. The ingredients are sourced. They're brought in from all over, the, all over the continent, from Paris, and they're gathered, and she prepares them. And then those invited are welcomed to partake in this meal, and they sit around this elaborate meal. And a transformation begins to take place. Grudges fall away. Distractions fade. Love is rekindled. Friendships are sparked. Memories are shared. And the meal, as they dine, literally transforms everybody who's partaking in it. Toward the end of the meal, the dignitary, Akil Papin, says, this meal is unbelievable. It is like no other I've ever had with one exception. Many years ago, I was in uh, Café Anglais, the French um, restaurant that was very uh, renowned across the nations, and I was there and I had a similar meal to this, which was divine, but this, other than that, this beats everything. People were, were thrilled with the meal. They went away changed. After the meal, the sisters were sad because Babette was now going to leave them because she had won the lottery. She had won something, it's won this money that she could now live the life that she's always wanted. And so they approach her to bid her farewell and she tells them that she is staying. They're stunned. She says, but you've got everything you ever needed. And she says, the money is gone. There is no more money. They're, they're aghast. Where did the money go? And she said, I spent the money, every last franc, on the meal that we shared together. Because I was once the, chef, the head chef cook at Cafe Anglaise. And there, to feed a family of 12, it would cost 10,000 francs. She spent all her money on the feast so they could have that experience. But what made the meal truly transformational, incredible, beyond words, was Babette's sacrifice. She gave everything to show those she loved a different experience of the world, a world only accessible by her exhaustive and complete sacrifice. That's what Jesus did for us. It was no coincidence that Jesus was born in the same way, in the same place, surrounded by the same element, elements, not an elephant, there's no elephant. I don't think there was an elephant. There's no surprise Jesus was born in the same place, in the same way, surrounded by the same elements that a sacrificial lamb was. From the day of his arrival, he was being prepared for the day of his departure because his departure meant for those who received it a transformative experience of the world. Jesus sacrificed everything to show those God loves, which is all of you, a different experience of this world. Where all who receive it find themselves acceptable to God. I am forgiven and now I am holy. I'm not holy, but God has made me holy by what Jesus has done. And I'm welcomed into friendship with Jesus it's only possible by Jesus' exhaustive and complete sacrifice, for he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
You see, Christmas is the opportunity we each have, as Wendy talked about, to receive this gift. That God says, I've done all the work, the forgiveness is yours. Just like the priest says, I've done all the work, the forgiveness is yours. Do we eagerly accept? Do we take on that? To have all our sin lifted from our shoulders? To have our guilt fade away because it has nothing to cling to? To have our shame swallowed up in the darkness as we step into the light? That's how you know you've received the gift because your heart changes in its, in its adoration of God. You realize that only God can save you and you realize what God has done. And so we have a challenge every Christmas. Do we leave a cute little Jesus in the manger or do we welcome Jesus to be the king of our heart? Do we accept the gift of forgiveness that God gives and says, welcome, have all I have and be my friend? Or do we, is it too risky? We've got too many questions. What do we do with that as we stay with the safety of a baby in a manger once a year because we can be in control? I want to implore you and encourage you and urge you this morning that Christ would move from the manger into your hearts. That your heart would catch a glimpse of what God has done for you and you would move toward God. And I realize for some of you that's a big journey. Love for you to start that journey. I'd love for you to take the next step. And for those of you that are in that place of saying, Yeah, that's 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 what my faith is. You just captured it. Share that faith this day. That Jesus isn't just confined to a manger, he's meant to be free in our hearts. So I wanna I wanna pray for you this Christmas morning. Let's pray. Lord, we um we are here because you drew us here and our hearts want more of you. We came in these doors, not sure what to expect, but Lord, we want you and we need you. And so I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would come. You would shift pain that has not been able to be moved in some people's hearts this morning, you would shift that pain and you would give them some relief from it. The fear and anxiety that some here have just been, had a strangle, has had a stranglehold on them. Release that grip one finger by one finger and bring freedom. Lord, those who are sitting here under the weight of their guilt and their shame and all the stuff that they have no longer any control over and yet it is determining their lives, free them. Lord, you paid for that. Your sacrifice paid for that. Free them this morning. And Lord, we acknowledge all of our brokenness and our messiness, all of the things that are not attractive that we would rather hide and tuck away we acknowledge that that isn't what you wanted for us and what we want is what you want for us peace and hope and love and joy and so we give you our hearts and we welcome you into our hearts into our innermost being to be king and to teach us what it is for you to be king in our lives now and forevermore we pray amen